0: Stop spreading fear and acknowledge some facts. This is not about freedom or personal choice. You know you can't work anymore unless you do what I say. That's essentially what a vaccine passport. Wear
1: masks obviously is a violation of your personal rights, and so is being locked down. We've been patient, but patience is wearing thin.
0: Open society back up. Restore our freedoms. End this madness. Well, welcome back to a a very special edition of the Conservative One podcast and today we're going to be talking about uh, three things which are going to impact upon your freedoms and your privacy and that is uh, the Pandemic Treaty and the International Health Regulations that are associated with that treaty and with the World Health Organization. We're going to be talking about the Digital Identity Agenda and also uh, the World Economic Forum's Great Reset Agenda. And to talk us through all of those big issues is none other than the great Queensland Senator, Malcolm Roberts. Thanks very much for joining us, uh, Malcolm, for this episode of Conservative One. And uh, you're there in your your car at the moment, as I understand, uh, uh, because you're you're hot on the road doing uh, election campaigning like good senators and members of parliament should at the moment, uh, uh, telling people about these uh, coming in positions upon their freedom. Um, Malcolm, you've been across all of these issues, uh, the Pandemic Treaty, the Digital Identity Agenda and the World Economic Forum and their Great Reset Agenda. But I want to kick off with the Pandemic Treaty and the International Health Regulations. Um, Malcolm, very briefly, can you tell us what is the treaty about and what are the International Health Regulation changes about?
2: I'm so pleased you've listed them as two separate issues, distinct issues, because what the UN is doing is trying to hide the second one behind the cloak of the first one, George. And Mm -hmm. by the way, never have we seen the major parties, the Labor, Liberal, National parties, so quickly confirm a conspiracy theory as actually factual and true.
0: Yeah, well, well, now that you say that, let's just have a listen uh, very briefly to what you've just said there. Scott Morrison actually... Did answer a question the other day, as did Anthony Albanese, although not uh, uh, not, um, sort of. not fully. <laughs> sort of yeah, uh, one of the elbow answers we're used to. So let's have a listen to Scott Morrison what he said about this pandemic treaty.
1: The World Health Organization meets on May twenty two, and on the agenda is a potential pandemic treaty, which would allow WHO to direct countries in how they control pandemics. Mm. Would you consider signing up to that and handing over any controls to the organisation? I have always been supportive right from the outset and was criticised heavily, I stress, heavily, mocked, in fact, by the Labor Party for saying the WHO should have those powers and those authorities to be able to go and deal with pandemic situations. Because we all know what happened at the start of this pandemic. Uh, we Well, the problem is we don't know what happened at the start of this pandemic and I was the one calling to ensure that we had an independent process to understand what happened so it couldn't be repeated. So I have been in the vanguard of those moves internationally to ensure that there is greater protection for world health, to ensure that uh, those world health authorities can come and understand what's going on and be able to assist countries to be able to prevent the spread and outbreak of major infectious diseases. Uh, Now, we'll look at the text of all of that, but we have been amongst the countries that have been positive about these sorts of changes, have to look closely at what the detail is in these things, as you always must. But the idea that countries can just say, no, you can't come in and have a look at a pandemic that's about to break out and actually affect the, the public health and the economy of the entire world, as we saw with this pandemic then I think it's only sensible that that's an area of international cooperation um, that is very, very important. And I've been consistent on that. And remember, the Labor Party mocked me for saying that that was a good idea.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting, you just uh, belled the cat there about um, uh, coming in and looking at what other countries are doing. That is uh, an erosion of sovereignty that's being proposed there. Uh, But let's hear Albo's non-answer, as you just called it, uh, Malcolm.
2: Next week, the World Health Organization is meeting, and on the agenda is clearly the formulation of what's called a pandemic treaty, which will give the WHO greater
1: control in how they dictate other countries manage pandemics. Would you sign up to such a treaty?
2: Uh, what we have said is that uh, we need clearly to strengthen uh, the WHO and the way uh, that it operates. Part of our one of our three pillars of uh, our foreign policy is our alliance with the United States, engagement in the region and support for multilateral forums. Uh, today, one of the things that we're about as well, and today's announcement, is about uh, the response to the pandemic. That's why we're announcing today our support for medical manufacturing. Clearly, one of the lessons of the pandemic is that we weren't self-reliant enough. So, would you so,
0: start- uh, Mm, there you go. So you're right, Malcolm, the uh, the difference between a conspiracy theory and uh, reality is normally about six months these times, but uh, that was probably less than a week or a fortnight. But uh, anyway, go on. Know,
2: it, yeah. yeah. But look, look at the significance before we get onto the, the two issues at stake here. Look at the significance. I wrote them down. Scott Morrison said, no, you cannot say to an foreign international body that you can't come and have a look at our country. That's complete That's right. rubbish. The prime minister is the head he's not the head of state but he's the head of our government he should be telling foreign people whether or not they can come into this country there's no doubt about that he's saying you can't do that he's ceding mm. his own authority on behalf of the australian people without consulting us and then then anthony albanese said we need to strengthen the world health organization and the way it operates that is a crooked corrupt incompetent dishonest organization That, that Caused the pandemic. It caused the pandemic. It hid the pandemic. It it lied about the pandemic. And by the way, it's not a pandemic because there's been no pandemic of, pandemic of deaths. That's their term. It's not my term. So they lied about it, suppressed it, and then terrified the world on it. They they put in heinous uh, uh, restrictions and ways of operating that were completely faulty, completely mismanaged this virus. These people. Scott Morrison in particular, has completely mismanaged this virus. It is destroying our economy. It is destroying people's lives, crippling livelihoods, stealing livelihoods. This is no way to manage a um, a virus. I'll leave it there. If you want me to ask how to manage a virus, I can tell you because I put forward seven seven strategies and the chief medical officer of the federal government endorsed every one of them and said I had missed none. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, let's go back to the key question here what you've done you've done a lot of work on this what is the pandemic treaty as proposed and what is the separate international health regulation proposed changes
2: right there are two two uh, issues here people have been talking about this pandemic treaty and we have been rightly telling them don't worry be concerned about it but don't worry about it being imminent because it's not due for signing until 2024. so the un has put in an elaborate timeline saying that these are the discussions that will take place. Everything's honky-dory here, George. Nothing to look at here. It's all fine. We're doing our usual consultation. That's the first thing. And as late as last Thursday, we were saying to people, don't worry about it. And then one of my staff got wind of some changes coming up in the World Health Assembly, which is which is scheduled for Geneva starting Sunday the 22nd of May, the day after our federal election, and running to the 28th of May this, this next week. And what they want to do there is vote upon proposed amendments to the international health orders, international health regulations. And these are very minor in their wording changes, but they're hugely significant. So they give the World Health Organization the powers that Anthony Albanese says he wants to give them and that Scott Morrison wants to give them. They can come in and dictate to you. I can go through several of the of the proposals, but they're minor changes wording wise, significant changes. And for example, they can say, George, that there is a potential pandemic. We need to take action. They can say there is a pandemic. They can need to take action. They don't have to provide evidence. They don't have to provide data. They just say in our opinion, no, no witnesses, no evidence, nothing. So it's just an, it's just a naked grab for, for global governance. That's it. It's just a naked grab for it. It's, it's serious and heinous what they can do to us.
0: Mm, as most of these things are now let's, um, have a look at uh, the, um, the international health regulations in particular. Uh, I want to uh, get specific about this because these international health regulations that I understand the United States is proposing these particular changes. And one of the proposed changes allows the WHO director general to declare a pandemic within a particular country And there might be things that flow on from that. Now, what do you know specifically about that, Malcolm? You've done a bit of research in it. Your office has done research. Tell us specifically what these changes will allow the Director-General of the WHO to do.
2: What they can do, George, is they can form a committee, just like the TGA's committee that that provisionally approved the injection. So they can claim that these people are experts um, and and rule on, on what they want to do they can come in and tell a country a member country excuse me i'm a bit cramped in the car here they can tell a member country what to do measures specifically provided for in the regulations include lockdowns now this is what the u.n can impose without any consultation of the country no no serious consultation and if the country objects that's tough luck they can impose hard borders around quarantine zones they can impose vaccine passports they can impose mandatory check-in and contact tracing Mandatory health tests, mandatory removal of people from wherever they are, mandatory quarantine, and compulsory vaccination is part of the international health regulations and may now be forced on all Australians if this vote succeeds. I'm not intimately familiar with this because my staff only provided it last Thursday and I've been on on the go, but I'm just reading from, from some notes. The regulations, George, will be in place for as long as the World Health Organization decides is necessary. No democracy, no, uh, no pushback from the country. They can overrule the country. And if a country refuses to comply, the World Health Organization through the World Trade Organization can impose trade sanctions and bring a country to its knees. They can declare a, declare a pandemic without justifying or even publishing their reasons. No appeal, no transparency, no fairness.
0: Yeah, wow. That's, um, that's quite extensive in terms of the powers. Now, it has to be said, though, Malcolm, that uh, they can only do this with with the Australian government's approval. Now, there might be some penalties that may apply, international sanctions of the sort, that may apply if the Australian government uh, doesn't agree to this. But um, I've had a brief done on this particular topic of both the pandemic treaty and the proposed uh, international health regulation changes. And it was done by um, uh, someone who is a PhD in, uh, in human rights and has, an exten- has extensively looked at uh, international uh, treaties and their impacts. And uh, she agrees uh, with you on these concerns. Uh, but what she said here, and I think this is important for people as we go to a vote in the next couple of days, an election in this country, uh, she says a note on international law It is important to keep in mind that international law and forums such as this are only binding to the extent that state parties are willingly compliant. That is, it will be in the hands of state parties to enshrine in domestic legislation any changes like this for them to have any real effect. History also demonstrates that most states are unwilling to hand over sovereignty. Except in recent times, I suspect, except in recent times. So um, this is the problem, that uh, these changes are coming down the line and whichever government and parties hold power in our parliament, it will be up to them to determine whether or not they uh, they submit to these requests by the World Health Organisation. Now, I know your view on it and we've just heard... Uh, Albanese ducking and diving around it, but we've heard mm. Scott Morrison say, uh, you know, we'll look at the detail, but we want this. Um, it's, it seems that uh, that both the major parties probably will accept this balcony. So what what hope do we have? Can we pull this up in the Senate or what?
2: Yes, Uh there's something significant. I've shared a briefing paper that one of my staff did, and he's very knowledgeable on on these issues. He's been briefed also by the Parliamentary Library on the um, the, the legal ramifications. He initially, on on his briefing that he put together on the Sunday, just two three days ago, he said the same as your your briefing that uh, the Parliament, the Federal Parliament, has to uh, ultimately pass legislation to to enable these to work, but. He subsequently revised that to say that health is a state state uh, responsibility inherently under our Constitution and that the states can do that if they want to without federal. Now, the oh, significant yeah. thing there is that Western Australia and Victoria already have such legislation that will enable the U.N. to come in and do this. Oh, dear. The other states can easily pass it. Now, in Queensland, it's really frightening because there's no upper house.
0: Hmm. So
2: that's a really significant problem. Um, and, and I just point out that in July 20, 2019, I was returned to the Senate. We created the usual fuss about the UN that we've been pushing ever since I got into Senate for the first time that Pauline's been calling out since 96. And Scott Morrison, in response to the rising anger about the UN said in a, in a lecture on the 3rd of October in, in 2019, We need to stop the unaccountable internationalist bureaucrats i think it was a lecture in sydney that's what he said in february he wanted an inquiry into the source of the origin of the wuhan uh, february march he wanted an inquiry into that then the following month he said we need to give the world health organization increased powers of weapons inspectors they can just march into a country scott morrison is talking through both sides of his of his mouth he is not to be trusted on this. He's already said that he will. He, he likes the idea of increased powers for the World Health Organization. This is a crooked, corrupt, incompetent entity. There's no way any prime minister or any opposition leader should be saying to the UN, come on down and tear up our country and, and take charge. It's completely wrong, George, and, and, and we know that. And the, the, by the yeah. way, they've had a history of since 1944 of complying with UN dictates, mandates, protocols, declarations, treaties. Call them what you like. The Greens have pushed these policies in this country, and the Labor Party and Liberal Party have, have simply followed them and implemented them. They've signed agreements. They've not consulted the people. They've never once put these things to the to the election. Here we are, having the two leaders of the two major parties, the tidal parties saying what they said in the clips that you just gave, not once have they raised it as an issue for the people of Australia. Not once no, in an election it had, issue.
0: It had to be asked of them. Now, now I'm going to zip to another issue that I think is just as important that has not been discussed, it has not been talked about, and I'm sure both major parties are going to initiate it if they're elected to office without any sort of uh, opposition in the Senate, and that is um, the digital identity agenda. Now, I know that uh, the government of the day, the Liberal National Coalition government has uh, got an agenda, has legislated uh, or has drafted legislation uh, uh, that would bring in a digital identity system. And yes, Malcolm, as I keep saying to people, uh, no one's ever approached me as a member of parliament in my entire 11 years there, uh, walked into my office, uh, stopped me in the street, emailed me, phoned me and said, George, you know what? Um, I think all of my problems would be solved uh, if only we had a digital identity system. In fact, not even that high. No one's ever walked up to me and said, we need a digital identity system. No one. And um, I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning thinking this is a burning issue for us, and yet one's been prepared. Now, we know who does support one, uh, one Mr. Klaus Schwab and the entire World Economic Forum, which is having more and more of a say in uh, domestic politics right around the world. So um, Malcolm, can you uh, uh, give us some information on what you know about this coming digital identity agenda?
2: Well, for a start, we know George uh, from research that two of my staff have done. They've done an extensive and thorough research and they're both highly competent. They're both aware of the bigger agenda. So they know the, the context in which this is happening. They traced significant portions of the, uh, the legislation and especially the explanatory memorandum to the World Economic Forum and specifically to the World Economic Forum's digital transformation program. They have, they, they've seen that the, the, the legislation from the Morrison government, Morrison Joyce government, has been copied and pasted in part from the World Economic Forum's digital transformation uh, program. So what they're wanting to do, and then they wrap it up in, in the words, and I think you made fun of this last week, trusted digital identity bill. What they're saying about the trusted digital identity bill is they're saying that they'll be able to revamp all of our. It's just a simple little tidy up George so that we can trust our, our government departments and trust the data we have so that it's secure. We both know that the biggest leaks of data the biggest loss, losses of security in data occur in Silicon Valley and governments. That's worldwide. And most of them are human errors. So what they're saying is complete rubbish. Um, what they want to do is they want to package up our data and it'd be comprehensive data on just about everything um, to do with our lives, including what we say on Facebook and social media, boy, you'll be in trouble. And And so then what they want to do is they want to package it and sell our data to foreign company, any, comp, com, any company, foreign com, companies included, which means that our data will be in, in stored in places not within our, our legal jurisdiction. Yeah. And So then, we can we can if we want our health data, we want access to my health data. I will have to pay for it. So they, they'll give foreign corporations right. the opportunity to control our data, and then, yeah, that that's that's basically what they're doing.
0: Yeah, well, look, it goes further than that, no, Malcolm, because um, there, I mean, we know that in the UK, for instance, they are currently talking about the idea of a digital programmable currency, which will no doubt be linked to a digital identity system. And in, you know, we can talk about communist China, of course, it's seemingly going to the extreme end uh, without a social credit system. But I don't even have to go to the extreme end now uh, of communist China to talk about... um, a social credit system coming along with this because in a province in Italy only a few weeks ago um, they adopted a social credit system and it was voluntary but um, you know it's a, once you develop something and you're you're saying to people look jump on board this is just uh, voluntary for you guys and if you get on board uh, and you uh, and your social credit is high we're going to give you benefits. Uh, But those benefits aren't going to be for people who uh, don't have a high score, who've said the wrong thing, who believe the wrong thing, who do the wrong things, according to some bureaucrat. Uh, And it won't be against the law. It'll just be things that they deem aren't acceptable in polite society, politically correct in work society. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it would then move from something voluntary to something eventually compulsory, just like that programmable currency Uh, that I talked about, programmable digital currency, we actually currently have a voluntary credit card uh, that you can purchase that sets a daily limit for your climate change-related spend. And once you've hit that spend limit, I'm not sure how they work this out, but once you've hit that spend limit, you're not allowed to spend any more in that day. Um, Now, this stuff already is in existence. And as we move more and more... um, towards, I guess, the whole ESG agenda, the environmental, social and governance uh, agenda that we see being imposed by organisations like BlackRock and Vanguard and even the World Economic Forum. uh, I don't think it's a leap too far to suggest that banks and governments are going to want to see some sort of climate change limit on spending uh, in the future. But it will all be linked to this digital identity agenda. I don't know how they're going to get such centralised control unless they have us uh, pigeonholed in um, some digital identity database. Uh, And so all this may be speculative of what I'm saying, but I think you'd agree with me, Malcolm, that given that this is a possibility for the future, you just simply don't open the door to a digital identity agenda, particularly when there's no-one in Australia that's actually calling for one. What say you?
2: Charlie, uh, i just add a couple more things. That The Reserve Bank of Australia has what's called the new payments platform. It's a node through which every electronic financial transaction uh, passes, everything. So what they want to do is also um, get rid of uh, cash. They've tried it with the cash ban that we defeated, thanks to your help as well, because I know you're stirring it up in the government as well behind the scenes. Uh, and so and also publicly but we defeated that now they're trying another go with the digital identity bill um when it's brought to get rid of cash and once they get rid of cash then they force everyone onto electronic uh, payments then they can monitor every single payment they know if you've had a beer they know if you've had a cup of coffee they know what you bought they know you've got a four-wheel drive instead of a a subcompact car
0: they know if you've donated to a freedom convoy
2: Exactly. So just like Canada. So, and by the way, this is ubiquitous, George. Um, I attended a conference at the Australian Banking Association in Sydney a couple of months ago. I think I may be wrong here, but from, from my recollection, every single topic that was spoken, that was discussed by a, by a lecturer at that conference involved the word digital somewhere in it. If you look at the Australian Institute of Company Directors every month, the the, the magazine, the company director, has references to digital identity and references to digitalization of the economy. Everything, same with climate change. These people have been co-opted by the UN and by our federal government, it seems, to spread the word on climate, to spread the word on digital identity, to spread the word on digitalization. Um, They want to control us. And now I'm not accusing the ARCD of being in collusion, but they are maybe just puppets to this, un, un, you know, un, unconscious puppets to it. But they are pushing this. They're pushing a digital currency, as you just said, and you, you spoke so well on that. They want control of our finances. They want control of the social credit system. They want complete control of our lives. And if we dare utter words or go against in our, go against the, the mantra in our behaviour, then we pay the price. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um, we move from the digital identity agenda back to something you were an outfit you were talking about before the world economic forum, which is largely behind this. Um, I'm alarmed. I, I know several of my former colleagues in the liberal national party were uh, actually closely associated with the world economic forum. Uh, you know that people in the labor party are and people in the greens are as well. Uh, Malcolm, they are, are becoming uh, some sort of an infiltration unit into democratic governments around the world. And they're not making any... Um, I am just
2: writing the word infiltrate.
0: Yeah, well, uh, great minds think alike. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the the problem is that Klaus uh, Schwab is wanting to put his mind and his thoughts, which is bizarre. I mean, you just got to read his stuff. Transhumanism. I mean, when I told... Uh, uh, Corey Bernardi about this part of the Great Reset agenda that Klaus Schwab is pushing—the fusion of human beings uh, with with artificial intelligence—and um, I said this to him live on Sky News, and he just about doubled up, thinking that I'd uh, I'd gone completely bonkers until he actually read a bit about it, and uh, you know, I, I could almost see his eyes enlarging. Um, it is true; this is the push. Um, The push is for control, the push is for uh, setting up some sort of transhumanist agenda, Uh, the push is for more power, that's for sure, and an end to privacy and freedoms as we know it. Uh, Mate, big question, but how do we stop the World Economic Forum's Great Reset agenda?
2: We, first of all, do what we're doing, we talk about it. You know, I I speak at rallies, I speak at uh, community forums, and now I'm delighted to know that when I asked the question, who's heard of the digital identity, sometimes 70% of the people put their hand up. Now, admittedly, we're, we're preaching to the converted with some of these audiences, but at least 30% put their hands up. So we made those uh, videos about six months ago when we first blew the whistle on this, George, and, and you were chirping in the, in the house of reps on it. Now, the people have been educated and they're coming stronger and stronger to, to realize what's going on. I've got um, you know, dates of significant events that go back to 1944 when we ceded control of some of our economy uh, to the IMF as part of an agreement in writing. In 1944, the United Nations was formed. Ju- uh, Dr. Evert was sent to represent Australia uh, at San Francisco at the formation of the United Nations.
0: And it's got to be remembered about uh, Dr. Evert. He was the one uh, who the Petrov Royal yep. Commission found out had... Uh... Soviet communist uh, infiltrators in his uh, in his office, and uh, there was a lot of speculation about whether he was a great communist sympathiser, and he was one of the people that was largely behind the creation of the uh, of the United Nations.
2: Right, um, and and this this I can't can't see at the that's, same that's time. That's
0: right. We almost don't want to see that document, Malcolm. Is Malcolm's holding <laughs> up for those listening a, a copy of the uh, Earth Summit Agenda Twenty One book? Very interesting. book is, that
2: this, one? This is the stuff that we were told doesn't exist. Then when they and this is this is that uh, this is in the Parliamentary Library if you want it, by the way. But we've got this copy. Um, Now we were told initially, oh no, that doesn't exist. Then we were told that it does exist, but it's it's just voluntary. It's complete rubbish. I'll, I'll tell you what, Maurice Strong. Maurice Strong is the granddaddy of climate change. He's the one who concocted the myth. Um, he said An evil man, people should look him Very up. Evil this, man. this, this, this evil guy, man.
0: this guy ended up flee, fleeing to communist China because he could have faced charges, uh, in the yep. USA actually. But, um, uh, people should look him up very strong, the founder so the, of he, climate change, basically.
2: Yes, he, he's the, he's the fabricator of climate of man, man, made man causing climate change. He says in the last paragraph of his foreword to this book, there is much to be done, George. And I look to the new United Nations Commission on Sustainable Development to be the focal point for the massive effort needed to create the new era of international cooperation, the new global partnership that will make this shift possible. This is global governance. Now, Murray Strong was up there at the top and he said he had two aims with his life. One was to ensure that there was an unelected socialist global governance. And we all know from company directors we all know from football clubs. We all know from social clubs. You can run a joint without being elected just by mm. the influence you have. What they've done is they've set up systems so that they can have complete control without being elected. The second aim that Murray Strong had it, that he stated publicly was to de-industrialise Western civilization, Get rid of everything around us yep. and send us back to the caves. They are rid of the middle people. class. Yep. Yes. And and what they want to do is destroy the middle class because that middle class is the source of of basic freedoms through a competitive marketplace uh, and and a free marketplace, a free exchange of ideas. They want to destroy that and replace it with feudalism, serfdom, now known as communism, basically, with severe control. And, And George, 1944, we've talked about that date, 1953, 1975, 1983, 1992, 1996, 2007, 2013, 2015, 2020, 2024, 2022, these are all milestones in the UN's trampling of our constitution, trampling of our sovereignty, smashing of our governance, and destroying of freedom. This has been so well orchestrated that they, you know, putting in place in a health treaty, supposedly, sanctions, trade sanctions, means that they've also got control of our trade. And by the way, we now know that thanks to UN policies that Liberal, Labor, Nationals and Greens have been pushing and implementing that we are now no longer independent. Australia was once independent. We are no longer independent. We have fallen for this interdependency, which is, sounds wonderful. Get on with our neighbours and cooperate. Interdependent means I'm dependent on others. We are now mm. dependent. If they want to force things on us, all they have to do is put a trade sanction on, shut our borders, we've got no petrol and diesel within mm. days. They have fabricated this, they've orchestrated this, and the Liberal, Nationals and Labor have been complicit in signing so many UN agreements that hand over control, hand over authority to unelected internationalist bureaucrats.
0: Well, it's a disgrace that the, this has happened over all those years, and I noted uh, it was almost like every decade until it's got up to the 2000s, and now the push has gotten a lot swifter uh, for the, uh, the um, uh, undermining of sovereignty, of national sovereignty. And also undermines personal sovereignty, as we've seen over the last two years when this happens. But Malcolm, I don't want to leave on a on a on a note of doom and gloom because as as big and as scary as all this sounds and it is, um, the fact is you alluded to something earlier: the cash ban. We defeated it. Uh, this was also an agenda that was coming from above, an agenda that wasn't of the people. Uh, but the people, along with the people's representatives in parliament, uh, defeated this. So it can be done, but it really does depend. On you, not Malcolm Roberts, not George Christensen, you, the listener, who is also the citizen, who is also the voter. Uh, and that's why it's very important when you cast your ballot to ensure that there are people elected who are going to defend Australian sovereignty and your personal sovereignty. Malcolm, it's been great chatting to you, but I want uh, you to tell people where. They can uh, go to get more information from you about these topics and uh, other topics.
2: Well, I'm on Facebook, as you know, George, Instagram and Twitter. But the best place probably is Malcolm www.malcolmroberts Two L's in Malcolm. QLD.com.au website. There, uh, there's there's lots of videos, lots of uh, briefing papers, lots of information details. There it is.
0: And uh, just remember that you can also get good information from the good source, goodsource.news. And also, if you want to subscribe to uh, my uh, personal newsletter, it's nationfirst.substack.com, or you can sign up at georgechristensen.com.au. Thank you very much, Senator Roberts, and uh, keep on keeping on, keep on defending our freedoms and our rights as you always do. It's been a pleasure. We're
2: working our way up the coast, George. We'll see you in in, uh, Dawson. See you then. Johnson's One Nation Party.